Hey church, Kelly here. I hope you're doing well. We made it through 2 Kings. Now we're into Ephesians, and Ephesians is broken up into two parts. The first three chapters is all about the meaning of Christ and what he did on the cross had cosmic universal significance and impact, especially for Christians. And then this the second half of Ephesians chapter 4 through 6 is how what Christ did on the cross should affect our behaviors as Christians. And so chapter one, we're in it today, and I want to ask you a question before we go on. What defines your identity? What defines your identity? What makes you feel chosen? I know we as Christians can intellectually know where our our identity comes from, but I believe our life will show us where we find our identity more. And so I want to read Ephesians 1, not all of it, because it is so profound, and I pray that you would read it over and over and over again this week. And may we not just know it intellectually, but may we know it in our bones. I truly believe if we embody and believe what Ephesians 1 is telling us about ourselves, we would be radically transformed. And so let me read a few verses. So Ephesians 1, 3, praise be to... Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to adoption, to sonship and daughtership through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. I'm going to read that again. In love, he predestined you to be adopted through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure To verse 11, in him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything into conformity with the purpose of his will. You are predestined and part of his plan, his pleasure and will, he predestined you. Did you guys know that adoption in the Greco-Roman world was actually um, a higher status than a birth son or daughter? So a bloodline could be disowned by their parents. A child could be disowned by their parents. But if you were legally adopted, you could not be disowned. And you had equal access to, you were an heir, so you had equal access to the inheritance. And in that, um, in that first century context, they actually received the inheritance um, as they, the parents were living and after they deceased. So we can have access to our inheritance now because the Holy Spirit says we have a guarantee and we're going to experience it later on. But let me go back to the chosenness. Being adopted is actually a higher level of sonship or daughtership than just being birthed. That is a radical statement that is being made here in Ephesians, that you weren't just birthed and wanted by a parent, but you were actually adopted, predestined, adopted, chosen, wanted by God, and he chose you. He knows what you've done in the past, but that is all wiped clean when you have been adopted. You've been birthed into this new family. 
I know we know this intellectually, but that is radical if we truly understand this. So I'm going to read a quote from a book I've been reading. It says, The concept of having been born into a new household and a new heritage and having been set apart from a fleshly, worldly heritage and destiny provides a powerful image for engaging in a close examination of our desires, our prejudices, our assumptions about what makes a person worthwhile, and the goals we have set for ourselves in life. It invites us to explore what the imperishable seed of the word says about the, about the heritage into which we have been born, into which we have been adopted, the way of life and relationship we are called to live out, and thus also discover what feudal ways inherited from our ancestors persist in our own lives and pollute our relationships and our ambitions. That is a radical statement, and I love that because it's saying, look back at your family of origin and see where what ways are you thinking or living that are counter to what Christ's family wants you to live. And we can examine those with a new, fresh perspective as living in a new family, adopted, looking out for one another, caring for one another, unified, and look back at our old life and our old way of thinking and say, what is holding us back from entering into this new family? I know there's many mindsets or thought patterns that have from the world that have infiltrated our family. No matter how good, bad, or ugly our family of origins have been, we have all have family wounds that are in, that are, um, that are causing us to live in a certain way right now. And we need to throw those, we need to look at those and examine those, but also cast them off to accept the truth of our new family and our new identity being chosen and predestined. So I ask again, where do you find your identity? Where do you believe that you're chosen? What causes you to be chosen? I know I have a desire to be deeply chosen for my whether my looks, my accolades, how smart I am, how athletic I am, whatever it is, I want to be chosen. But all of those are external. My real chosenness comes from who God says I am, who he adopted me to be, and how I can live in his family and live the way he wants me to based on what Christ did on the cross. And so I pray that is an encouragement to you to know that you are chosen and how you can look back at your old family systems and heritage and how that's influencing the way you operate now. And may we all live into the family of God that God's calling us to be. Much love, church.